Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to Wealth Wednesday, a new weekly show that we're knocking out and we're creating for you guys. Basically, this show is going to be about trending topic, relevant information. Um, and I think this is episode four, I believe. So if you guys have not tapped into our previous episode, definitely definitely go check it out. Um, yeah, we talk about what's going on in the world, right? What's, you know, from the baking situation to uh, Latinos making headlines, we want to talk about it on here and give you guys our perspective from our community, right? Uh, we're still going to be pushing out the Friday interviews and doing those as well. We just wanted to create another show called Wealth Wednesday in addition to Fridays and give you guys this relevant quality information. Uh, with that being said, my co-host for Wealth Wednesday, Jeremiah, what's up, bro? How you feeling? I'm doing phenomenal, bro. Um, I'm always happy to be here. I love the opportunity that we get a chance. And I love what you said, relevant information that's relevant, you know, internationally or globally and then relevant information to us as Latinos. So super excited to be here again today, man. Let's get it going. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here as well. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I had I just got back from a trip to Japan. And uh, I was talking about it with some of the fellas yesterday, some of our friends yesterday, and it was a phenomenal trip just to go out there and experience a, a different culture, a different environment from the United States. And I was kind of sharing with you guys, first off, the time difference is crazy. I think from central time, they're like 14 hours ahead of us. So just adjusting to that, but also um, just, just being out there in an environment that you don't know much about and you don't you kind of have a hard time getting around it's it's almost a, a beautiful thing about that because it's um there's a, a journey in that right definitely a journey in exploring and getting around but yeah japan was amazing um just got back a couple of days ago still my wife and i are still recovering but um definitely definitely a phenomenal trip man you know it just seemed like uh while you were gone you know, you were you were lucky enough to get some stuff on Instagram. We saw some beautiful pictures, a lot of the culture, just phenomenal, beautiful culture with Japan. Right. Very ancient culture. And so you saw a lot of different uh, murals, a lot of different um, statues and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and their culture just seemed so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, what I really liked was when what you told me, you're like, hey, bro, um, they're actually super inviting. Mm -hmm. Could you so like mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that? Because in our minds, I think what we think is like. You know, if we go over to Asia, they, they won't work. We stick out or something like that. But you said they were super inviting, super helpful. Yeah, I think if I can describe and I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody's culture. But when I think of Japan and coming back from this time from Japan, one word I think of is respect. Right. They not only do they respect their elders, they mm. respect their environment. You know, you go to Japan, it's extremely clean. Uh, everything from the subways to. Um, you know, the buses, you're not going to see no rats. <laughs> you're not going to see no New York City rats out there. Uh, just very, very clean environment. What? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to see none of that, right? So um, even there's something out there that you can't really do out there is, you know, you go to these local food vendors and you may want to buy something to eat, a quick eat. And you typically in America, we like to, you know, walk and eat. We got to I don't know, pizza or whatever, hamburger. You, If you're on the street being a tourist, you can just walk and eat. Out there, they don't let you do that. 
wherever you buy your food at, you have to be in that spot and finish your food. And um, yeah, phenomenal people mm-hmm. out there. You know, I said once again, respectful people. They re- respect their environment. They respect one another. And you know, it seems like if you're whether you're from America or anywhere else, if you need help, they're going to be there to help you out. Super nice and polite people. Um, very respectable, man. And it was, it's, it's crazy because that was the first time in a while that I was completely present where I was at. I was where my feet were at. Right. Mm-hmm. And the little things like, yo, you can't walk around and eat. You can't drink and eat. You got to stay where you're at. Right. And enjoy your food. Enjoy what's around you. And like, that's literally what I was feeling when I was out there. Like I wasn't attached to my phone. Like Jeremiah said, I was posting here and there on Instagram, but man, I was really just being present. And it's like, it's crazy to say, but it's almost like all the anxieties that you would have in the States, they just completely go away out there for me at least. Right. And as soon as I touched down at LAX, all of it came back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, it was, I think it's, you know, extremely important for us Latinos. You know, we do a phenomenal job of, you know, going to other countries and experience each other people's, you know, cultures and whatnot. Um, but even outside of the the Latino culture, the, the experience, like the Asian culture, the African culture, I think it's extremely important. I think traveling is one of the best ways for you to learn. Um, I mean, it's, I've learned so much with traveling, not only about other people, but also about myself as well. So, uh, yeah, gotta love it, man. I think that that is, um, you know, that's something in, in the mindset of people or us just in general, I, I think it's more American than Latino. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but us just thinking that, you know, we're the pinnacle we're the, we're the top of everything. And what you start to realize when you go other places and you're open-minded, um, you start to find things within yourself and things mm-hmm. are released or things are let go of or things are gained that you never thought that you would ever achieve or you would ever gain. And so your sense of presence, right, being able to center yourself in everything, um, man, you came back super refreshed. I saw we yeah. were talking yesterday and I could just tell you were recharged, man. We're just yeah. ready to go, you know, ready to push forward. So the trip sounded like it was phenomenal. I can't wait to take my wife, man. Seems like a phenomenal place to go. Yeah, definitely got to do that. So yeah, I mean, um, definitely wanted to, to share some life perspective in addition to some world news and some things that are going on in the United States with you guys. Um, but with that being said, let's transition a little bit into some of the topics that we want to jump into today. Um, you know, we got a couple things that we're going to jump into today, but number one, we want to jump into, uh, breaking down Warren Buffett's warning on earnings, right? Uh, we're going to jump into that. But if you guys don't know who Warren Buffett is, because we might have some Latinos out there that just, just simply don't know, um, he's an American investor and he's currently the chairman and CEO of a company called Berk- Berkshire Hathaway. Um, and he's really best and well known for being one of the best investors of our lifetime. I don't know his age, but I think he's I think he's around 90 years old or somewhere around that, right? But he also has a net worth of a hundred and four billion dollars. He said he's 90? 
little bit above. Yeah, I think he's like yeah. 93 or something. 93, yeah, 93. Something I mean, like which is it, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, like I said, he has a, a net worth of $104 billion as of March 2023. Um, and he's the fifth richest person in the world. Uh, what else? His, his company, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, just a fun fact. Uh, for one share of that company, one stock of that company, it's right now floating around five hundred thousand dollars for one share of his company. Very wealthy man, very smart man. Um, we can learn a lot from him, so that's why we, we want to break down this article and jump into it. And also, fun fact: I think he's, I think he's got like this crazy diet where he eats like McDonald's every day or something, or that's all he eats or something crazy like that. Man, it's yeah. um, um yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, it's it's working out so. Uh, with that being said, you know, his company, Berkshire uh, Hathaway, they had an annual shareholder meeting on Saturday. And this is what Buffett said. He said, in the general economy, the feedback we got is perhaps the majority of businesses out there will actually report lower earnings this year than last year. And he basically said some of that can be contributed to the supply chain issues. Um, can be a huge factor, right? So if you guys obviously remember in the pandemic when spending was up, people were getting, um, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm blanking out. The uh, stimulus checks, they're getting their stimulus checks and whatnot. Um, you know, people were spending a lot more money. And during that time, you know, what some of the supply chain issues and some of the things being shut down, people were not receiving their products. And what companies were doing is they were buying S excess inventory and, um, you know, that added up over time. And now they sit on all the excess in inventory, which he's he's predicting that a lot of those companies are going to have to go on sales that they've, they've never done before. I guess for consumers, it's, it's good. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's going on. That's, he announced a couple different things within that meeting and he has that yearly shareholder meeting with his uh, with his company. But yeah, I mean, Jeremiah, I'd love to know your, your thoughts and opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off of what you said, obviously um, what he said is due to the logistical issues, right? Supply and demand, a lot of companies were backed up and so they started getting their stock and everything that they had in their inventory came in late, right? So those people are going to have to, like you said, do a short sale on a lot of their inventory, um, the raw materials and stuff that's creating. Because Berkshire Hathaway is, Jesus, they're involved in over, I think it was like uh, 27,000 companies or something like something yeah. crazy, right? And so they have their hand in everything. And I think that's more mm -hmm. of what he's getting people to understand. Instead of just looking at clearly at the earnings sheet, Think about what happened during the pandemic and think about everything that was occurring. So but have that in mind when you're looking at stuff and just understand mm -hmm. that, you know, as you move forward, we're looking to improve. And, and I think that's I think he was given a sense of uh, instead of fear mongering, like a lot of different companies. Mm -hmm. I think Warren Buffett mm -hmm. was given a sense of somewhat, you know, optimism. Right. He was calming people mm -hmm. down and just like, hey, this is going to happen, but we're going to move forward and then we're going to be better for it. No, absolutely. And I love that because. You don't often see, you know, CEOs and owners of companies coming out and saying, like, yo, we might come in a little lower than usual, but 
you know, for, from in my perspective, it's like as long as you're over communicating what's going on, people are going to continue to trust you and trust what you have to say. I was just going to say a lot of CEOs um, and hire C-suite people, they don't communicate any issues or things that are going on to the shareholders. And so, you know, you get fears and that causes drop in the price of stock of shares and everything. So I think with him being open and being honest, that keeps the company strong and everybody's united. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so like I said, um, definitely something to look out for. Um, great article. Also wanted to, while we're talking about Warren Buffett, you know, he's, he's written a lot of different books. Um, a lot of people go to him for information about investing and whatnot. I wanted to give our favorite investing tip from Warren Buffett, you know, something that we like, something that he said in the past that, you know, has, has stuck with us. I know Jeremiah has a couple of his books. Um, but yeah, bro, what, what's one of your favorite investing tips from Warren Buffett? For me, it's super simple. Uh, this is one of my favorites. He says, never risk what you have and need for what you don't have and don't need. Super simple, mm -hmm. right? You're like, oh, okay. No, it, it really is kind of... <laughs> into an investment than what we should have, right? We don't quantify what our return is going to be or how long it's going to take to see that return. So we're saying, hey, if you don't have it, mm -hmm. like if you can't do this two to three times over, then you shouldn't be investing mm -hmm. it. And you don't need mm -hmm. what you're trying to get from that investment either, right? Whereas you have something that you could go put that money into right now, you have the money to do that and you need that presently. So I, yeah. I think that that, that kind of gives a good mind state of, of how he looks at investing he's deep into yeah. indexes so th it, that makes sense no absolutely and i think mind is you know his, his whole thing about not having emotions in business he has a quote that says i can't recall any time in history of business that we made an emotional decision buffett said you don't want to be a no emotion person in all of your life but you definitely want to be a no emotion person when making investments or business decisions. I love that because no matter how many times we may pound that into people's minds and like tell them not to, to show your emotions when, uh, or not, not to have like emotion based thinking when investing, people still do it, right? People still feel that FOMO, that fear of missing out people, um, what is it that when they get scared that they start mm. selling everything, right? Just to, to get as much money back to break even yep. or whatever the case is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love that, you know, being emotionless when in business and investing. And that's, um, that's, that's a tip from one of the world's greatest investors. Wizard of Wall Street, man. If you don't know Warren Buffett, you get a breakdown, but yeah, he's, he's known as the Wizard of Wall Street. Um, and that, in that list you gave of top five richest people, um, the only guy that actually built his off of pure equities, pure stock. Speaking of Wall Street, um, you know, we've been on the past couple episodes, we've been talking about some of these banks that have been falling, these bank crises and whatnot. Um, there was another article that recently came out that said many people are worried about the bank account safety. They're worried about their safety of their bank account, which rightfully so, right? There is a statistic that came out and said, a total of, I think this statistic, by the way, is hilarious to me, but uh, a total of 48% of U.S. adults said they're concerned about their money. 
um, including 19% of them that said they are very concerned, 29% they said they're moderately concerned. Um, and this was actually from a pool of people. It was about a thousand adults. That that's it. It was only a thousand people, so it wasn't all of America. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, it, it gives you you know perspective on you know how people are feeling about um, the banks and the failures of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and the the takeover of First Republic Bank as well. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, for myself, it's like, like you said, first and foremost, and then it depends on what demographic you even ask, like what part of the country, right? Because different people are going to have, politically, are going to have different thought processes. But um, honestly, I, I like the article because what it did is it broke down and gave what the FDIC is, right? Yeah. How much it covers of your money. The FDIC, right, is basically the insurance that you have, right? Um, on your money when you deposit into the bank that you'll get it back. So it broke that down, mm -hmm. said, hey, you have up to $250,000 for a single owner person, right? That's that's all you got. Um, but then it went deeper and it started yeah. breaking down, you know, well, if you're if you're married and then there's different ownerships, there's other things. So my, I, I honestly love the article. Um, my thought mm -hmm. process is though, if this is, if this information is all laid out, um, how deep do people go? Like, you know, and the reason I'm saying that is because we we're, we can get you, um, the information, Chris, but what I'm saying basically is, is do you think people just more believe um, what they put out on the news? Like, depending on what news you subscribe to, but do you think people just more believe that than dig deep and do their research, like in this article? A hundred percent. I mean, I think, I believe most people they take whatever they read at face value whatever the, the first thing they read is that's what they believe right and i mean i think maybe we spoke about it on this uh, on a pre previous episode but for us like we may see something on social media and we'll go fact check it we'll go read multiple articles about that thing before we make you know any type of comment on it right and i think most people you know scroll on TikTok, scroll on Instagram, although you can come across good information, you know, you always have to do your own due diligence and, you know, see if, you know, what other opinion is out there and dig a little deeper, as you're saying. Yeah, because I'm I mean, like, even if I saw something in it and it said something in, in negative aspects, right, against a bank um, and this article actually breaks down and I like it because and I like Yahoo Finance because yeah. they're non-partial they yeah. just give a clear they're just clear in the middle right they just report from so far what i've seen they just kind of report things as they are which is you need a source like that mm -hmm. um but it breaks down even you know the accounts that are covered by your insurance and the ones that aren't and so you don't confuse it as a consumer so if i did my research and my due diligence and i say hey well um i have this checking account and it's one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. you're covered right but then if I have this, if I have this money market account, right, or this IRA through the bank, that's not covered. These investments aren't covered. Mm -hmm. So I know where the line mm -hmm. is. I know what's covered and what's not covered. And that's one of the one of the greatest things about the article because it breaks down and it tells you, yeah. um, you know, there's there's things that are broken out in the ownership. Maybe you have a higher limit that mm -hmm. you're covered because you have it's a joint bank account. Right. So there's mm -hmm. more money or maybe you're a small business. It speaks to that as well. Some different ways that small businesses utilize to kind of raise their um, allowable insured amount. 
Like all of this stuff isn't, but Chris, my biggest thing is we could talk about it, but how many people are going to dig in and read the information? Because like you said, we take a lot of things that face value. We go TikTok or wherever. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And so, um, yeah, phenomenal article. I love the fact, like you said, that they break down a lot of the information. So what we're going to do is we're going to link, you know, both articles that we spoke about today. We have a couple more minutes. I think we can squeeze in one more topic real quick. Um, but yeah, every article, every topic that we spoke about today, we're going to link it in the description of this podcast so you can check it out yourself. Uh, with that being said, uh, to lighten it up a little bit, I think this is something dope that came out, you know, Foot Locker, uh, they tapped in with Nike vet Blanca Gonzalez to lead the WSS business. Right. And so we'll jump into what all that is, right? They're they're basically banking on a new hire from Nike to fuel to fuel the growth at WSS Chain. So if you guys don't know, Foot Locker actually owns Champs. They own Kids Foot Locker, obviously. They own Ladies Foot Locker, and they also own WSS. And if you're not familiar with WSS, it's a re- it's a retail store that offers name brand sneakers at really a more more affordable price. And let's let's just be honest, like you're typically going to find these stores in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Um, They're going to have Nike's Adidas there and whatnot, uh, but they're just going to be more affordable. So, um, yeah, prior to joining Foot Locker, Gonzalez spent more than 19 years at Nike Inc. and was most recently serving as its VP of North America product merchandising now she'll bring her experience to WSS, a neighborhood-centric retailer with locations throughout really the West Coast. I think there's a couple in Texas and a couple like on the East Coast as well um, to have a deeper connection with the Latino community. And she's going to be serving as the SVP and the GM of this company. Uh, we definitely wanted to shed light on this because this is pretty big news. You know, we're always talking about like, yo, we need more of us in higher ranking places. Um, so hopefully she can, you know, definitely bring her experience from Nike and, you know, help grow that division at Foot Locker. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be something phenomenal because you bring in um, the international expertise of someone that was head of merchandising at Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Nike being the biggest shoe company in the world. So you bring that expertise mm-hmm. um, and she has a heart, it seems for her community because she said, obviously, choosing to be the head of WSS, like you said, it's more, um, they have a very, very high propensity or demographic of people that come into their stores that are Latino. They're in spaces and areas that are more Latin based. If you go on their website, you can actually flip it to where it's in Spanish. Spanish, You touch a button and the whole website turns into Spanish. So you can see that they're more focused on, on us. You know, they got 165 stores and they're all, a lot of them, some are East Coast, but the majority of them are West Coast, um, you mm-hmm. know, Arizona and over, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, and, and then over and a lot in California as well. So I think that you can see she's super focused on bringing that expertise um, and elevating the game mm-hmm. of WSS and Foot Locker as well, because she's going to have a big voice um, as Foot Locker seeks to, you know, increase their market share. They said, well, what demographic are we not tapping into? What are we not really servicing? What are we not supplying? And they're like, well, you're not servicing the, the Latin market. And so they brought her mm-hmm. in to help, you know, um, increase that that market share and say, okay, we're going to capture that. And we're going to be more focused on client-centric focus 
on the Latin market um, as we look to do that. You can see companies starting to really focus more on the Latin market um, because we do have a lot to offer and, you know, there's a huge market share that's available. So should be interesting. No, 100%. And even to, to a step further to talk about sneakers, um, I think I've seen Jay Balvin, you know, coming out with another Jordan collab. I mean, that's just, again, they're, they're, they're paying attention to us. You know, Adidas already has a collab with Bad Bunny um, and they know, you know, there's, there's a lot of us out there where we're huge supporters and whatnot. So it's going to be very interesting to see what changes she makes with WSS. Uh, I'm curious, like, what does that consist of? How are they going to get more of us shopping there? Are they going to drop some like exclusive? I, like, I don't know. I'm curious, like what they're going to do there. But yeah, so with that being said, we're gonna, going to wrap this thing up. We'll leave all the links to the articles in the description of this podcast. Um, thank you guys for tuning in this episode. And if you guys can do us a huge favor and share this episode with one other person that needs to hear this information, that would mean the world to us. We want to continue to grow this community when we want to continue to reach more Latinos and we can do that with you guys' help. With that being said, you guys can follow us at Latin Wealth on Instagram. With that being said, it's your boy Chris and we'll catch you guys on the next week's episode. Peace.